Let's sell liberty and look good doing it with Proud Libertarian. Folks, when we're selling liberty, we have to start things off by peaking interest. And what better way to peak some interest than by rocking some amazing apparel from Proud Libertarian. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Do Good Recklessly t-shirt, but there's more than t-shirts to find from awesome taxationist theft snapbacks to the killer Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death hoodies. Proud Libertarian has all the libertarian swag you need. And guess what? Brian Nichols Show audience members can rock the latest libertarian swag and save some cash on every single order. All you have to do, use code TBNS at checkout and you'll get 10% off your entire cart at checkout. That's right. Each time you order, use code TBNS and you'll instantly get 10% off your entire order. Listen, I am super excited to have Proud Libertarian here as a sponsor on The Brian Nichols Show. So do me a favor, head over there to Proud Libertarian, place your order today, use code TBNS at checkout, save 10% on your order and help support libertarian entrepreneurs today. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Sunday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I guess, because it actually happened. I got a candidate on my show between Friday and Sunday. So, number one, thank you to everybody who reached out, but special shout-out to Travis Bold Johnson, who is today's uh, number one. He's our guest today, but also he's our candidate today on today's episode of the Sunday Candidate Highlight Series here on the Brian Nichols Show, Travis reached out and he said, Brian, I'd be more than happy to come on the program. And yes, he is running for Congress up in Minnesota's 7th Congressional District. So it's a great opportunity to uh, to learn more, not just about a uh, libertarian perspective running for Congress on a federal level, but specifically looking at some issues that he can actually have some influence on, like helping support Thomas Massey's Prime Act and looking at how right now a not decentralized and more focused in a centralized approach that the uh, the meat packing industry and the uh, the meat processing industries have really ended up uh, harming the uh, the overall American elect or electorate, the American consumer that is, um, and more. So it's a great conversation uh, with uh, with Travis here on today's special episode of the Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. So that being said, onto the show, Travis Bold Johnson here on the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for having me, sir. Absolutely. Travis, thank you for joining the program. And as always, thank you for doing your part. And that is running for office, not just uh, on liberty ideals, but with the big L libertarian next to your name. So first and foremost, thank you for that. And welcome to the the program. And Travis, we are talking, uh, you know, beforehand, you are my knight in shining armor because I had lost (laughs) a couple of my candidates I had had lined up here as I'm getting shows lined up for the week. And I, I didn't have a candidate for my Sunday candidate highlight series. You came in and clutch. So thank you uh, for that as well. So let's do this, Travis. Introduce yourself to the audience. I I hinted you're running for Congress up there in the 7th District in Minnesota. But who are you? What got you on your path to liberty? And what inspired you to run for Congress as a libertarian of all things? Yeah, well, there's a couple things. Again, my name is Travis uh, the Bull Johnson. I'm up here in the the Minnesota 7th District, which is the northwest, northern, uh, excuse me, the western portion of uh, Minnesota. 
Uh, I'm a 20 year army vet retired in 2018. Uh, when I, when I came up here, we started setting up our property for a farm. Uh, we got a 40 acre track. And, uh, when I went to start getting building permits to build my barn, found out there was a 150 foot set aside from the dirt road that I couldn't put my, my barn on. And it, it, to me, it just didn't make sense. Uh, so when talked to the, uh, the, uh, County commission, Hey guys, give me a reason. Tell me one good reason why you need to set aside that 150 feet between the set aside and the right of way. And I'll be on my way. They couldn't do it. Uh, they basically just said, well, one day we might want to expand that road. It's a freaking dirt road. Were you going to make it a four lane all of a sudden? It just didn't make sense. Uh, so at that point I ran for a County commissioner I said, screw it. There's other ways to change this, but I'm going to try to change it by going by becoming part of the part of the organization. Uh, ran against a local guy, learned a, a real hard lesson in politics. When you're when you're in a small pond, you don't go up against the big fish as a newcomer. I mean, uh, I still think we did relatively well. We took over 30 percent of the vote in an environment you could not campaign with traditionally because of COVID. Uh when I lost that election in November, it's like, you know what? I think I, I'm done. Okay. You know what? I, I gave it, gave it my shot. Uh, during that same election, Michelle Fishbach uh, defeated Colin Peterson. It was a 15, it was a 15 term incumbent for, uh, for Minnesota seven. Wow. Uh, and, and you know what? Colin wasn't a bad guy for our area. I mean, he was chairman of the ag committee. This is a pr- primarily rural ag district. Uh, problem is he had a D in back of his name. And so does our governor. Uh, and our governor was very big on mass mandates and shutting down restaurants and, and everything due to COVID. And he had a one size fits all mentality. Uh, what was good for the city was good for the, the rest of the, the state. It didn't go over real well. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it, let me give you an idea of what this guy did. I mean, he, he did a little spiel to some of, to some, uh, some Democrats and to uh, like a fundraiser. And he puts a picture of Minnesota up. And around the Twin Cities is blue. The entire rest of the city is almost is red. And he puts his hand, he starts spraying it over the red area. He says, everybody's all upset about this, this, all this red on this map. I don't see why. There's nothing but rocks and cows out there. Well, there's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. That now just galvanized this whole area of the state going, hey, no, it's not going to work. Uh, between the two parties, they put in, I want to say, 13 million dollars into this this uh this campaign 12 million of which was attack ads i mean they spent 12 to 1 12 or 13 to 1 on why you should vote against this guy rather than why you should vote for ours that kind of that turned me off i mean that the fact that the uh michelle fishbach the person who they ran and won was also a established politician it was everything these people didn't like uh but that's who got shoved down their throats because Tom Emmers and um, Kevin McCarthy, D.C. and in Minneapolis in uh, Minnesota Swamp Monsters establishment decided that's who is best for Western Minnesota. Uh, they had some issues with the primaries on the Republican side with endorsements. There was a lot of funky stuff going on, and everybody's like, "Yeah, we're we need to, we want to get rid of Colin because of this because." He's got that D. This is our only option. Let's go with it. So she won. But to give you an idea, we spoke a little bit earlier. President Trump took 65% of this district. 
Michelle Fishbach, his endorsed chosen candidate, only took 53%. There, there's, a, there's a big gap there of people who weren't weren't happy with her running. Yeah, that's uh, huge. She, she just doesn't represent she, – she's a lawyer who's never done anything besides politics. She doesn't re- represent western rural Minnesota. I mean, she doesn't understand us. I mean, I, I went to one of her rallies or one of the, the areas where she spoke, and, and she she just wasn't prepared for anything that we brought up. I mean, it was always, well, I'm new at this. We're learning as we go. I mean, you've been in politics for 20 years. We asked her, hey, why, when are you going to put a, open up a congressional office in the northwest portion of the state? Well, we're just now getting our feet under the ground. Lady, by the time you entered office, you should already know where your congressional offices were. Fact of the matter is, you didn't care about us. Uh, once she would come back to, to to talk to people, she would only talk. She would either a it would be a very controlled environment, or she, the only live events she would do was campaign stops. Uh, and most of those were in Republican GOP headquarters. They weren't open to the public. They weren't even open to the general GOP. They were they were open to the people who were funding her basically. I said, no, that's BS. Okay. I mean, we, we need somebody up there who will stand up for us, who will be us, who will listen to us. Uh, that's from talking to people across the board. That's their complaint. I mean, some of our, our big grassroots organizations would call her and ask her questions. Hey, how did you vote on the, on the, uh, the Cheney situation? Did you vote to keep her or kick her out? The response her office gave, well, that was a private vote. We don't have to tell you. That's what they're telling the grassroots Republicans here. Okay, that's what they're 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 telling their base. Uh, the the base has finally realized on and I think it's happened on both sides now that that left wing right wing is the same damn bird. If you want to change something, you're gonna have to send you're we're gonna have to send the message. Yeah. Uh, well, it really, let's let's go there, right? Because I think now we're starting to see across the board there has been kind of this universal just. Re- just complete rejection of this mentality of y- you're going along to get along. This is the way it's always been, and, and yet they're, they're they're the status quo will not you know go silently into into the night. It will fight <laughs> tooth and nail to remain in place. So I think the way that we can help facilitate its slow demise, that being the status quo, is to start getting people to you know slowly but surely, and, and in some cases much faster. I look at you know policy issues like school choice mm-hmm. become libertarians on accident in some cases, just because they didn't realize that the policies they were supporting were overtly small L libertarian policy goals. So I look at something like I mentioned school choice, you know, we see right now school choice across the country is taking uh, the the world by storm just because you see number one, parents were like, "Uh, I can see actually what my kids are being taught. And because we're home and I see the classroom right now on the screen and I'm horrified and they they just, (laughs) They decided, hey, you know, maybe I don't want to send my kid back to school. And I I get that. The other one is you have some school districts, especially those school districts that are, uh, you know, really, um, I would say, (laughs) taken on by those uh, massive, massive public unions. I'd look at cities like New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, and they didn't have kids in school pretty much the entire year. It wasn't for a matter of, of safety, but a rather, rather the, the the public unions just exercising their leverage. It wasn't about keeping teachers safe. It, it was it was really about leveraging the situation 
to really help help the teachers, you know, get either higher pay or, or get, you know, added benefits. And that's unfortunate because it ended up being the kids that were, were hurting from this. And, yep. and we're seeing right now an absolute revolt from parents in mass. I mean, you can't have a teacher say it's dangerous, dangerous for us to go into the school and and then you find out that they're down in the, the Caribbean on vacation with their family without without merit wearing masks right at the peak yep. of the, the the pandemic and that and that was not untypical so i guess you know we're seeing right now a lot of these policy issues that are hitting people truly on issues that are mattering to them right now so let's kind of put that right to the, the seventh district up there in in minnesota what are some of the top issues that you're seeing up there travis and what are the voters telling you in terms of how they want to see these or these issues addressed one one of the things i'm realizing from talking to people is the people up here are libertarian. They just don't know it. I mean, the the, the big issues they want to see addressed are, as you mentioned, uh, freedom from schools. Let Put the, the control back on the local district instead of being dictated from D.C. Uh, they want to be allowed to live their lives as long as they're not as long as they're not bothering or hurting somebody else. Let us do what, we, what we're going to do. Let us decide whether let me do my own risk assessment on if I'm going to take the vaccine or not. Let me do my own risk assessment to decide whether it's worth it to me to go to this restaurant during a, a supposed pandemic. Let me make those decisions. We don't want the nanny state. That's what we're, we're, we're fighting against. We're fighting against overall the nanny state. Uh, and I'll give you an example. One one thing that's per, I'm person close to, and it came up again this, this past week. Uh, Representative Massey introduced a couple years ago something called the Prime Act. The Prime Act would allow small livestock producers to sell their, their meat by the cut, even though it does not go through a USDA process facility, which is what's required now. Uh, we can go through a custom butcher shop and and uh, and then sell by the cut. Right now, we have to sell by the live animal. Uh, so myself, I raise pigs, I raise cattle. If I want to sell a pig, if I want to sell pork to somebody, I have to sell them either a half a pig or a full pig while it's alive, then send it to the butcher, and then they pick up their meat. I can't sell beef or pork. I can sell a live animal. The Prime Act would have allowed us to sell beef or pork uh, rather than just as a live animal. Uh, Colin Peterson, the previous uh, representative, I fought with his office tooth and nail over this. I mean, and really quick, Trent, what, what, was, what would be the direct positive result of you being able to directly sell pork and beef versus the, the live animal? One is people who don't make a lot of money can then afford to buy locally. Right now, if, if they have to buy a, a whole or a half pig, they're paying $600 or so all at once, and they have to have room for all that meat in their freezer at one time. Uh, second, it decentralizes our food production. Just And I, and I brought this up a few minutes ago, uh, why it came up this week. JBS, the, the big international meatpacking plant, was hacked. They're, uh, they had to shut down a couple of production lines. That almost had an immediate impact on on the perception of availability of meat. Uh, what it does for us as the local producers, it doesn't change what we're going to get for our animals if we have to sell at auction to go to these, these meat packing plants. But what it does do is it, in, it allows them to increase how much they're charging at the supermarkets. Uh, it, and it does not allow small people to make up that gap. I mean, that's what the whole free enterprise system is based on, is if this company or whatever cannot 
meet the needs. It allows smaller companies to come up to meet those needs and grow. Well, we're being kept out. We're being locked out of the competition. And, um, and, and they're using the excuse of safety, which um, I think is total BS. I mean, what's the, the argument? I, yeah, what, what's even the, the argument? The argument is because through these big plants, they're, getting, they're going through USDA inspections. And on the custom plants, they're not. Well, the catch is these big, big plants have an assembly line. Each inspector at each station will take a look at a piece of meat two to three seconds before the next one is in front of him. My butcher is going to look at this thing for a couple of hours, okay? If there's a problem, that butcher is going to notice it. And guess what? When it's done, guess whose sticker gets put on that piece of meat? My butcher, okay, with my name. Yep. My butcher is not going to put something on, on his name on something that's not not good quality, okay? So I, I just don't buy the, the, the safety issue. Uh, I mean, they're going to look at this thing for hours, not a quick couple quick seconds. And and as the time goes, I mean, even this past year, the meat industry has lobbied Congress to even shorten that time to quicken those assembly lines even more so inspectors get even less time to look at it. Wow. Uh, now, requiring the, the small producers to do USDA inspections, that basically imp- – as an employee to a small butcher shop. So you may have, have a butcher shop with two or three employees in it. Well, now you've got three or four because you have an inspector who does nothing but look, doesn't contribute to the end product, but now you've got that added expense that you have to, to account for with what you charge your, pro, your, your producers to, uh, to, to process their meat. Uh, and again, and what it does is just, it's constant regulation that benefits the, and puts the uh, big companies in a position where they can afford it while eliminating their competition. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and in Western Minnesota, we have a lot of small producers. I mean, and, and when I called Colin Peterson about it, man, his people didn't even, his people assume that a custom butcher and a, a meat packing plant operated the same way. <laughs> in that, uh, wow. I, I'm seriously the heart attack. He thought that the custom butcher bought the animal from me and then they, they would sell it. And he's writing policy, and that's and, horrifying. And, and, this is, and this is this was his policy guy on ag, who, who I might add, who's I believe it was his brother, uh, owned owned a fog a hog farm up near the cities. <laughs> I mean, a commercial confinement operation, not a small pasture operation like we have. But yeah, this he he did not have a clue on how these things actually worked. His solution was, well, we're going to do grants to get all these guys USDA inspected for these small producers. One, there's a year backlog. There is no incentive for them to go USDA because what is it going to add to them? I mean, it's not going to, I mean, they're already backlogged as, as it is. Uh, two, why do they want to add that expense? There's no need. Yeah, and really quick, there, for, I know a lot of my audience is millennial and Gen Z who probably have zero farming experience or, yep. or any context of that. I'm, I'm from upstate New York. I grew up, you know, a farming family, so I'm very familiar. It's, it's, it's a situation where your average person – okay, here. If you were to think about a person writing law for technology – Right. Like you hear when when here you go, when you hear Mark Zuckerberg going to Congress and you hear, you know, a 95 year old senator asking him a question and you're just like, 
what? Yeah. That question doesn't even make sense. And like Gen Z and millennials are like, why are these dinosaurs writing policy about technology? The same exact thing is true. Like, and, and I'm not trying to cast stones, but like Gen Z and millennials, as you're running for office, like know that you might not know <laughs> exactly how things have been done yeah. from a farming perspective, but also a lot of these feel good regulations that were put in place to under the guise of keeping people safe end up causing a lot of unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look at where we are right now. To your point, Travis, you have a cyber attack. I'm in the greater telecommunication industry and cybersecurity industry for my day job. When this happened, we were like, yeah, like it's it's a matter of time because cybersecurity has been going up exponentially year over year. And that's why, like, I've been like, hey, if people need, like, even like, remove myself from my political world. Like guys, if you need help with cybersecurity, please let me know because like, yeah. this is something that's going to be impacting people across the board. So like number one, get your shit together. <laughs> number two, um, if we, if you are running for office or if you are elected official, or if you are in policy, like we need to start decentralizing these, these yeah. institutions because, and this is the dirty rotten secret is as we continue to get the federal government and getting its fingers in these different state and local organizations or, or getting its fingers more into the public or the private sector that is in the name of doing good, it's creating a larger domino effect, right? Yep. So, and, and to kind of use an example in the telecommunications and cybersecurity world, one of the things that uh, the companies we work with, they offer third-party uh, third risk assessments. So what they're looking to see is, Let's say, you know, for your your uh, company, Travis, let's say you're, you know, a larger company, you have, you know, 100 employees or so, and you need to hire vendors to come in and do certain things. Um, right. So maybe you have like a janitorial company that'll come in and clean your facilities every single month. Let's just, I don't know, let's just say that. So when they come in, maybe they have to hook up some machines that we want to make sure those machines aren't bringing in any possible vulnerabilities onto your network, right? Yep. So doing that third-party risk assessment, that's super important. So like doing something like that, that is something that we can even extrapolate to, you know, if you're looking at the federal government, they're just adding more third parties. Now you're, you're adding more possible vulnerability endpoints. And that's something that we need to start to snip away just from a security standpoint, but well, also what we're seeing now. And especially in this situation where, I mean, you've only got three or four big meat packers in the entire country. Bingo. When one, when one goes down, what happens? Yep. Uh, now, my big complaint about this is is uh, for COVID, a lot of these places, a lot of these meat packers went down for a few days, uh, up to a week or more. All the prices in the grocery stores went up uh, because supposedly meat was in a shortage. Well, guess what? Our exports of beef and pork in that process, in that time period, never went down. Didn't they go up? Was there really, I'm pretty sure it was up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So it's just, we, we got to get out of this, this, this mentality of bigger is always better. I mean, there is no such thing as too big to fail. Uh, I think that's one of the, the major problems we have or one of the major issues we have that's, that's driving the uh, – the income or the the wealth inequality right now is if you don't allow your big companies to fail, the small companies can't can't organize and, and make up the, the slack. Okay, that's what always made America great was the small businesses. Well, the small businesses are getting squished out, and then lifelines are getting thrown to the big companies to make sure they don't fail, which keeps the small businesses from opening and thriving and okay? stifles that's, innovation. It's exactly. So, I mean, that's what we need to get rid of. I mean, 
the, the amount of times I've heard corporate welfare on this, this, this campaign trail already tells me that, that the people are sick of it. Okay. I mean, it's just, that, that's, that's another one of our, our big issues is just, this, they see all this, 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 these huge budgets and who's getting them. Yep. The big corporations are getting this share. They're getting that share. I think 20% of most of these budgets go to the, the government to administer these programs. Okay. I mean, it's just, the, the common person just doesn't see it. I mean, and what they see is our representatives don't know us. They don't understand us. And there's no they're reason they should. Us. <laughs> no, they're not us. Okay. And, and that's what I'm trying, I'm campaigning on. I say, hey, I'm one of you. I'm a common man with common sense. Uh, I'm not a political elite. I'm planning on going there for, for maybe a couple terms, coming back to my farm. Cause I retired the farm. Okay. To, to have my small little cows and pigs and stuff like that. Okay, I don't want to get too old, too old to do that. Okay, living in Washington D.C. That's not my, my cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> living uh, in the ninety-five uh, corridor isn't your your vision of utopia. You know, Come on, Travis. you know. And, I, and, I, and my last duty station with the Army was in D.C. at the Defense Intelligence Agency, right across the street, right across the river from from the Capitol. Okay, it's just it's it's not not my favorite place to be, uh, but it. it we got to change. If not me, who, if not now, when, yep. uh, what I see right now is a huge opportunity here. Uh, we've got the perfect storm in this district to, to put the first libertarian in Congress. The catch is once we do it, everybody sees it's possible. That's what's holding us back right now is people just don't think it's possible. People don't think it's realistic. Minnesota is the state that put Jesse Ventura, a third party candidate in the governor's mansion. Damn it. We'll do it. Okay. Uh, okay. We've done it before. Okay. So there, so uh, it, it's what makes me feel good about, about my, my run. Okay. It's just, people are tired of these two options. Uh, and, and again, most of them are libertarians. They just don't realize it. I mean, they, they're old school Republicans. They believe in small government. They believe in more liberty. And, and, and that's what the libertarian party is. And it's not what the GOP is anymore. And people are waking up to that fact. Yep. Uh, and I'm getting support from typical GOP grassroots organizations. That's what's kind of scary. I mean, this is, and it's not as running running as a as a as a libertarian leaning Republican. It is running as a big L. I'm a libertarian. Hmm. I mean, okay. I mean, and it's and that's the support I'm getting. I mean. And quite honestly, with this demographic support, I need. Right. I mean, we need. I need to pull at least half the Trump supporters if we're going to win this election. If uh, if, if but, half the my, half my listeners have the 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 goofy brain that I do, no pun intended, because it it reminded me when you're talking about Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Um, there's a meme, and it's it's a it's a goofy from uh, Disney Channel, and it's him, and he's got like a squished face. He goes, and I'll do it again, and like yeah. that's uh, all I can think of. <laughs> like yeah. you guys, oh, we'll do it again, and that's but, uh, that's exciting because we need to have that that kind of um like I don't want to say revolutionary, but that that kind of like wild like no like we gotta buck the status quo and it does require you know the states that maybe have that kind of um that little wild instinct to them to go out and start to do it It, you know if you have that you know individualistic drive to you state i'm looking at states you know especially states like um you know minnesota or new hampshire for example goodness our neighboring states north north and south dakota 
It, there you go. I, I mean, goodness, that. South Dakota is one of the only states that really stood up at the beginning of the pandemic. Christy yeah. Nome really made a name for herself. Now, granted, she's got a lot of civil liberty things that she's not so yeah. hot on. But when she was one of the first ones standing up saying from a, a government lockdown perspective, absolutely not. I mean, that's a big check in terms of you being oh. a potential ally in the future. Now, we can disagree like down the road, but like, can we build some common ground on like, at least saying the government shouldn't universally lock people down and then deem half the people essential and half the people non-essential. Like, can we at least make that agreement? Well, and the thing is, that's that's one of the things that's great about my campaign is I'm getting I'm getting the support from both the left and the right. I mean, even the left who who don't agree with me on a lot of my fiscal issues, they're supporting me because I'm listening to them and they don't think in this district, which is heavily Republican, that anybody else who gets elected will listen to them. That will take their, 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 uh, their input and weigh it out honestly. And, and look at, it. I mean, there's been cases where on my webpage, I've got people who are in the far left who doesn't support a single thing that I do politically is the first one running to my defense on, on some of my posts. Uh, because they believe in me and that I will listen to them and th that they have a seat at the table. Uh, that is one of my huge my huge selling points here is, hey, everybody's got a seat at the freaking table. I don't care if you're left, you're right, whatever. I represent all of you. I expect to hear from all of you, not just the ones who voted for me, not the ones who are now have an L behind their name who didn't have it before. I am everybody's representative. Uh, and we don't feel that from either party. It's either... Uh, the Democrats and Republicans are either you're with us or you're against us. There is no no, no middle ground. I mean, that's why they they run off of fear politics. Uh, com one one common issue I have is with uh, one of my strong my uh, main points is with veterans care. Uh, we're losing 22 vets a day. We have since 1999, 22 a day for over 20 years, and that hasn't changed. Why? Why can we not figure out what's, why do we keep doing the same, pardon my expression, why do we keep doing the same shit over and over again, expecting a different result? Okay, this is, that system that's in effect now isn't working. Yep. Uh, one of my proposal, and you know what, it is a off the wall freaking proposal. It is a, you know what, let's take all these guys who are on, on active duty, all these soldiers, and rather take that, that money that's currently going to Medicare, let's put that in a pot for, 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 mental health insurance for life for every soldier hmm. every sailor okay uh they have a program called tricare for life that's for retirees the programs are already in a, in place what you do and, and with try they actually basically just act as a facilitator between the for, uh for, for veterans for their their government insurance you do the same thing for for the mental health okay make it so these guys have that access from day one okay we we got to do something. I mean, we we got to change it. I mean, just if if we have to break the system to do it, then then damn it, let's do it. But I'm tired of losing 22 of my brothers and sisters every day. Yet every freaking politician who runs, you look at their website and they're going to say we're going to address veteran issues. Veteran issues. We're going to address veterans. What do they do different? Nothing. Yeah. What have they proposed? Nothing. Let's get let's get the, the the ball started. Let's get the the conversation started. Okay. Yes. Let's let's 
rather than just give mouth service, let's actually ba- uh, let's back the checks that our mouths are writing. Okay, let's let's actually try to do something. I mean, it's just that. Then that. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's a passionate subject for me. I mean, no, it, this and, is and, it, this and, and it is and it is for Western Minnesota. Okay, and right. the reason it is a good portion of America's fighting men and women come from the rural rural environments. What really shocked me is when I would talk to people about this, probably 80 to 90% of the people I talk to knows one of the 22 or they knew somebody who knew the 20, one of the 22. It, it, it's touching so many, for, so many people. Yep. I mean, and, and we, we got to do something, whether it's, whether it comes from ending the drug war so that we can provide them other uh, medical possibilities, whether it's, Make sure they have mental health care, whether it's addressing red flag laws so they're not scared of losing their rights if they go to get help. That, that's one of the big, big things holding veterans back. Is they don't want to lose their rights yeah. if they admit that they've got issues they need help with. And that's the first. That's what they're scared of. We, so the conversation hasn't aired yet, um, but your record, your uh, episode's airing the week that I had a conversation with Wiley Gray from VeteransOfWar.org. Uh, and this is this conversation... That we have um, on that uh, episode is just how tough it is. I mean, for them to use plant medicine alternative therapy, and it yeah, they, they go out of state, they, they go out of country to to even try to use alternative forms of medicine, and and yet, what's the alternative? Go wait in line at the VA for how many weeks? How many months, Travis? It's it's appalling to see how. The people who have who have quite literally put their lives on the line first and foremost to protect our our rights, right, our 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 liberties, that they get treated like this when when we do see our money, especially, and this is the thing that drives me crazy, is that you do see the the money just be so frivolously spent in other areas, and then when it comes back to the people who are, are quite quite literally now dying every single day, twenty two a day. We got to do something different. So, Travis, thank you for raising this up. And thank you for making it a central issue in your campaign. And actually, right here on the uh, the YouTube, you can see here at the bottom of the screen, going across the bottom, it's BullJohnsonForCongress.us. It's t- one of the top issues on your website, as well as all the other issues you've raised up. So, to the voters of the 7th District and the Congressional District up there in Minnesota, as we uh, wrap up here on the show, Travis, what would be your final pitch to them? Why should they make sure they go ahead and cast their vote for Travis Bull Johnson? libertarian when the uh, election day comes well because you can't keep doing the same shit over and over again expecting different results if we wanted if we want to send a message to the system that you got to start listening to us you got to start taking care of us we have to say if you don't we're going to replace you with somebody and it's just not going to be the other party we're going to take away your ability to create the other party as the enemy because we're going to create a third option just because you scare us away from them it's not going to guarantee we're coming to you. We're going to have other options. If we could pull this off in Minnesota 7, it would not surprise me for this to expand from here. We got South and North Dakota. They're both very independently minded. We just have to be able to show them it is possible. Uh, now, one of the things for this, I, um, I hate to beg, but if you can, if you can take a look look at our website, please contribute to our, our campaign. Because when I talk to people, when I talk to national organizations about supporting our campaign, that's one of the first questions they ask is, how is your fundraising? Are you viable? Because before we throw our support behind you, before we throw our money behind you, 
we want to ensure that you are a viable candidate, not somebody going after tilted, tilting uh, windmills. Uh, and, and that's part of what they look at. Come join our Facebook page. The more people who, who like our page, the more uh, the more validity it lends to our campaign. Uh, this is a snowball. It's got to get started rolling. And uh, once it start, gets started rolling, nothing will stop us. But we got to get that that snowball rolling down the hill. Travis Bull Johnson, he is running for Congress in Minnesota in the 7th Congressional District. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for having me, sir. Who likes going to the grocery store? You have to pick up the car, head to the store, shop amongst the covid masses, stand in line for hours at checkout, then drive all the way back home only to have to lug your groceries into the house. Well, what if you were able to get all your groceries delivered right to your door with savings up to 50% off of the big guys? Brian, your Thrive Market order has arrived. Thrive Market is one of the top grocery store alternatives on the market, featuring hundreds of products for specific diets and lifestyles. So, you eating paleo or Whole30, or you living that keto life? Perhaps you have celiacs like yours truly, and you want some gluten-free options that actually taste good. Side note, Thrive literally has one of the best gluten-free pizza crusts I've ever had. Literally have it every single week. And here's what's even better. Not only do all orders over $49 get free shipping, but members of the Brian Nichols Show audience get 20% off their first order, plus get one month of their Thrive membership for free. So head over to the show notes and click the link for your exclusive Thrive Market offer and start skipping the grocery store today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation today with Travis Bull Johnson. He is running for Congress out in Minnesota in the 7th Congressional District as a Libertarian. And if you want to go ahead and support his candidacy, well, number one, what you can do is share today's episode and make sure when you share it, go ahead, tag him, but also tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, Mind, there I said a stroke, I guess, Minds.com and Parlor.com. Um, also, folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love to hear about it so if you could number one head over to briannicholsshow.com at the very top of the page you'll see the review section click reviews and go ahead give us a quick five star rating and then tell us in the review what value you got from the episode today or what value are you getting from the brian nichols show in general i would love to hear about it and other folks out there would love to hear about it as well also if you really enjoy the program and you want to take that next step and what is that next step becoming a supporting listener how can you do that head to patreon.com forward slash the brian nichols show and you can sign up as an entry level sales executive or an account level executive either way you will be gifted one of these awesome don't hurt there we go don't hurt people don't take people stuff bumper sticker and yes it does definitely pique some interest and it gives you an opportunity to join our mastermind groups where we're going to be having conversations about how to better sell liberty how to best pique interest what kind of questions can you ask and all types of other fun things make sure you head over to the patreon patreon.com forward slash the brian nichols show five dollars or ten dollars a month will get you started off as an entry-level sales or account executive and hey let's just say you're like brian i don't want maybe make that that hit my microphone that long time reoccurring commitment that's okay here's what you can do instead if if, if you want to go ahead support the show but also support some awesome libertarian entrepreneurs again i don't know what's going on here entrepreneurs there we go i think i was going to try to say entrepreneurship um but entrepreneurs who are practicing yes entrepreneurship well you can head over to proud libertarian head to the brian nichols show collection that's right folks we have a Brian Nichols show store and you can get so many awesome uh, items from t-shirts to mugs to bumper stickers 
and more. Also, by the way, we have awesome snapbacks. And what are on these awesome new uh, pieces of swag? Well, we have Cool Mask Bro, Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People's Stuff. Um, we have the Alexa and Google Overthrow the Government um, bumper sticker stickers as well as t-shirts and mugs. Um, and question everything, make conspiracy theories, conspiracy again, and more. So if you want to go ahead, support the program, but also look pretty awesome and definitely pique some interest with your friends, go ahead. The Proud Libertarian Store, proudlibertarian.com forward slash the Brian Nichols, uh, the Brian Nichols Show Store. There we go. Um, and I'll include that link in the show notes. So with that being said, coming up here on Monday, I am joined by our good friend and marketing guru behind the scenes, Chris Goizetta. He is joining the program once again, and we are talking about reoccurring content. What is the value for you to go ahead and focus on implementing reoccurring content to your fans, and in this case, who uh, folks are interested in what it is that you offer, your product, your service. How can we go ahead and use uh, reoccurring content to make them long-time raving fans and make them uh, actually end up marketing your your uh, service, your product, your if you're a candidate, your candidacy uh, without you even trying. So make sure you go ahead, hit that subscribe button if you have not had the chance yet, be it over on your favorite podcast catcher, or if you're over on YouTube, hit the subscribe button to The Brian Nichols Show, hit that little notification bell, give us a thumbs up. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. You're on The Brian Nichols Show for Travis Bull Johnson. We'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.